1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How get 30, 30, better get 30, better get 20, 20, 20 get 20, 20, better get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Minerva's Crackling Crepe Paper Pattern Preparer. Crackling your crepe before you can create? Tissue paper not tackling the task? Minerva's Crackling Crepe Paper Pattern Preparer is your patron of pizzazz. With Minerva's crackling crepe paper pattern preparer, you can smooth out that crepe paper preparation to dazzle and delight with all of your crafting care. Minerva's crackling crepe paper pattern prepare solution. save
2: their regrets for tomorrow.
1: The Walker family was taking a rest at the Celestial Seaside Amusement Park after a tech showcase, an animal topiary, and too many funnel cakes. They met a clown troupe that played some music, and one of them flirted with Cooper. They risked the funhouse, and out the other side, lost their friend Jules in the excitement. Cornelia went looking and only found Madame Lenore to read her a whole fortune, her star. Humble, who had run out of egg phosphates, was finding Madame Viola more difficult to manage. Cooper was concerned. Jules usually clung to her and wouldn't let go until she had to make excuses to leave. And even then, it was hard to shake her off. It wasn't like her to disappear. They searched for Jules up and down the park checking all of the games at the arcade attic, the food stalls, in the midway, and then finally agreed to split up to cover more ground. Cooper would search near the traveler tents. Viola and Pumble would wander the moor down the pathway, pretending to look, and Cornelia would go all the way to the end of the pier. Maybe she got sick. Maybe she got tired and left. Maybe she met someone, Cornelia said. Jules wouldn't just leave like that. She'd say something. I'll check the food, fun house, and tents again, just in case she came back this way. Corny, you take the pier, and we'll meet down there right before they light up the park. Cornelia agreed. Viola wasn't really paying attention, was just looking for places to sit away from the rabble. She whispered to Pumble to get the car, but Pumble pretended not to hear. They split up, and Cooper went back the way they'd came. She was getting a bit worried for Jules, but secretly... Cooper was hoping to catch sight of her clown again. But she did just that. Cooper went to the double carousel in the traveler's tent entrance. The original carousel was dismantled and now sits in the bar at the Duchess Hotel. They had to make way for this one, the double-top carousel. Because two is better. As the double carousel spun, she saw the handsome clown with the piccolo, alone watching the animals spin by as their riders tried to catch the brass ring. She called after him, and he turned. Oh, uh, hello, sorry. I just wanted to ask, have you seen my friend that was with me? She blushed. Also, um, thank you for the flower. He shook his head no, and then mimed the flower for a little bit again. Yeah, that's the one. You didn't see her? Okay, um, well, if you do... What should I call you? Should I call you Piccolo? She
2: asked. No.
1: He shook his head vigorously again. He turned his Piccolo over, and scratched on the side was the name Piero. Oh, Piero. Okay, that's better. Well, I have to look for my friend hero seemed to be debating something in his head. He looked towards the tents and then back at Cooper and then he waved her in that direction and he played his piccolo a little. Are you going to help me find her? Will you? Okay let's go. Cooper was excited. He led Cooper back behind the tents to an area that curved around just inside the park fence where only performers could go. As they passed one of the traveler's caravans he grabbed a floppy hat and slipped it on Cooper's head to disguise her. Cornelia wandered through the crowd, half-heartedly looking for jewels and thinking more about the fortune-teller, Madame Lenore, and what she could have meant. Great upheaval, change and sacrifice. And of course, when would this happen? The tower, the star, and the hanged man? She listened for Jules' constant yammering over the din of the crowd, a telltale, if anything. We didn't have any luck. She walked down the path past the steeplechase, past the water show with the diving tower and mermaid tank where they waved at you with blue bubbles as you passed. She walked past the historical pavilion with the city sketches and old maps, all the way down to the end of the pier where the giant, beautiful hot air balloon sat tethered on the end, wavering slightly in the breeze. The crowd had started to cram up against the platform to get a view flanked by another group huddled around the floating barge where a series of prize fights were going down, sponsored by the Duncans Union. A handsome man with a curled mustache, a fine suit and a bowler hat, checked the ties of the balloon, looked skyward to the weather and checked the direction of the wind by dropping some loose sand. Henri Dugaste was one of a handful of members of the new Aeronaut Society, a group of balloonists that were quickly advancing the technology and sport. The raffle today was itself a way to raise funds to run out of space for a new headquarters so he could move out of a dank basement. Henri checked his pocket watch, knowing the plan was to raise the balloon just in time for Dr. Vega's wheel to ignite. It set the park aglow, and the light strung around the balloon would illuminate right at its pinnacle. The raffle master was late, bringing the chosen winner to the pier side. Henri looked through the gathering crowd and spotted Cornelia, and mistook the tarot card in her hand as the golden raffle ticket to ride the balloon. He ushered her quickly to the head of the line and up to the plank. Cornelia, still in a daze from her reading, just went with it. He opened the little door and helped her into the basket. Henri made an announcement. Untied weights and anchor ropes dropped enough sand that the balloon quickly ascended. Madame Viola and Pumble made their way past the water attraction and settled into the Historical Society's park exhibit. The walls covered with posters of sketches of early days of Celine some display cases showing precious artifacts under glass on velvet pillows. Many of the rich families had donated pieces from private collections. A new feature, just opened, was the documented history of Celine shown on Kinetoscope movies, a moving flip book with audio narration from wax cylinders inside the machines, from tubes on either side. Viola refused to put them in her ears and instead made Pumble listen and then narrate for her as it went along. Viola liked the novelty of the kinetoscope technology, watched the flickering cards of the history of the development of Selene. She watched all five kinetoscope movies, Birth of a City, From Growth to Grandeur, The High Stacks of Success, Yesterday and Today, and a new one called The Light We See, only from Dr. Vega. Viola was visibly upset there was no mention of her or her husband. They made the donations, broke ground on hospitals and bridges and other city works. "'Cumble, this is an outrage. Where was anything about Leopold, or the Walker Foundation? It listed nothing of the buildings we built, the donations from the Foundation, or anything of any kind. As if my Leopold had been erased from history. "'Outrageous as you say, madam. We shall write a strongly written letter to the committee. "'Something must be done to secure our legacy,' Viola insisted." They exited the exhibit in a huff. Viola was still beside herself, ready to leave the park. Pumble was used to matter Viola being intensely self-absorbed, but she was only recently mentioning her dead husband, Leopold, and certainly wouldn't give him any credit for doing anything right in his waking life. She looked around the crowd, not seeing either of her daughters. Have they found the nitwit yet? No? Pumble, we're leaving before I burn this place down to send them a message, the ungrateful historical society. Go fetch them. I'm going to sit right over there. She motioned next to the historical pavilion, for the entrance of the face peeler roller coaster ride. The ride had stopped for a bit of maintenance, a jam causing some stiffness. They needed to adjust the braking on that portion of the track. Madam, I don't think you can go back there. The only good thing about this place is the view. I'm going to sit and look at the sea, Pumble. Leopold and I built this place, and I can sit anywhere I like, Viola said, and ignored him. She went the inway through the outway gate, past the napping attendant climbed the ramp and sat in on one of the coaster sections to look out of the view of the water as the sky darkened. Madam, I don't think that's technically true, he said under his breath as he went to look for Cooper. The sky fell dark with night. The park hushed. A great deep, guttural spark of energy, and then jagged light ran up the center line and lit up each of the spokes of wheel at the Dr. Vega Pavilion. And from the center, the light grew until it pushed out the glass tubes around the wheel, the light bathing the entire park in a bright white light with a slightly greenish hue to the awe of the crowd. Bero the Clown walked Cooper along the park backstage behind the steeplechase ride and under the bleachers of the water attraction where he mimed laughter and showed her the rubber tubes the mermaids used to breathe in their tank. He walked her down into a tunnel underground that came up inside the guts of the face-peeler, surrounded by wooden truss boards and into a somewhat hidden middle area used for storage, where old signs and crates were covered in dusty canvas, so close to the water that the occasional waves would lap up over and what the film they were standing on. It was dark enough that Cooper couldn't see in her way to step through the maze of scrap wood. She stopped, and then through the truss around her, a bright white-green light passed hard-shadow crisscross on the ground. Hero took her hand and led her to a clearing next to the water on the opposite side from the rest of the park and the crowds. In that hard shadow, she saw a gathering, and as they walked into a clearing, she saw it was the rest of the pajama clown family. Their faces looked sinister and foreboding in the harsh light from the Vega wheel. In the light on the ground, she saw some wooden truss that had been hammered together into a platform, tilted like a makeshift bat at an angle. And tied to that platform, Cooper spotted jewels, yammering at the clown family, barely audible over the sound of the waves. Are you just gonna tickle me? Can you imagine? Why'd you nab me out of that funhouse room just to carry me down here and tickle me? This fun little game is going a bit long though. Any chance we can wrap this up? Do I get a prize or a balloon or something? My friends are gonna miss me. This reminds me of that time I found my sister like this tied up in the wine cellar. Of course, she did that to herself, though. Cooper, do you see what your clown friends did to me? They're playing a prank, can you imagine? When we were in the funhouse, they tricked me, put a bag over me head, and then strapped me to this. Can you remember, Cooper? Oh, how fun. Maybe this is one of those immersive theater shows I've heard so much about. They nabbed this fellow, too. Poor fella hadn't even finished his pretzel. He looks right scared, though. Look at him cower. Sure enough, next to Jules was some poor soul, still holding the last of his pretzel, dying to dip the last bite into cheese, but tied fast to another flat of propped-up scrap wood. From out of the group of clowns, a man with a top hat, wiry mustache, and crooked cane appeared. He had the same thick white makeup and painted face style as the others. Super! This is the Baudan! He used to be a famous makeup artist at the Palace Theater. Can you imagine? They cast him out, and now he leads the clown family in the pajamas. Isn't that amazing? The Baran bowed. Please to make your acquaintance, Cooper Walker. You are just in time for tonight's show. Our stars hear your friend Jules and this other fellow tonight's as we create some new canvases. Allow me to prologue as to build the exposition. You see, I have a very special technique to create my clowns here. One of the clowns with a small concertina came forward. The Baudin pulled out a long scarf, wrapped it around his hand, and wiped a vigorous swipe down the clown's face, and half of it came away. The eye... Half the nose, half the large toothy smile, all gone with the swipe of the makeup. The colors smeared down the face. Nothing but clear white sheen underneath. Half the face creepily staring back at Cooper, with one eye and half a smile. Cooper stifled a scream and looked at Piero, whose expression remained unchanged. In fact, now that she noticed, all of the clown's expressions were frozen. Cooper realized they were all makeup. Even Jules was shocked into silence. Studying, isn't it? Hero, let's start the show. He clapped his hands. Please, call mother. Hero took the piccolo to his lips and started to play a lower tune, something rhythmic and repetitive. At the edge of the water, it started to bubble and rumble just under the surface. The lights of the wheels sparking against the dark waves, a gigantic dark object rising to the surface. A shake and a rumble as the face peeler roller coaster creaked back into action to test the empty cars around the track. Viola grabbed at the side of the car and looked at Humble, who was standing on the ramp looking back at her, both aghast and frozen. Madam? Humble stop that this instant, she yelled as she was dragged away from him, heading down the track alone in the coast of cars. Madam, it's not me. You must leap. Leap, madam, for your own safety. I will do no such thing. Get them to stop this contraption this instant. Humble frantically searched for a ride manager to shut the thing down. He ran frantically, waving his handkerchief. But the coaster slowly clipped up the first hill, with Madame Viola sitting side saddle in the car, death grip on the bar, about to experience the thrill of the face feeler, whether she wanted to or not. The light sea breeze got stronger as the hot air balloon, containing Henri and Cornelia, increased in altitude. The people on the ground getting smaller. Cornelia finally realized where she was what was happening. The park stretched out below her. Cornelia put her hands on the wicker basket. She saw the giant face peeler coaster and wooden trestle in all of its glory. Henri said, Miss, and lightly touched her hand. Cornelia looked over and she saw the giant Dr. Vega light wheel, a spinner of elaborate metal and glasswork. The power plant at its base sparked a heavy spark. And then light flared up the tubing, up the main mast, into the center of the wheel, shot out the spokes, and then encircled the rim in a brilliant white-green light that enveloped the park. Until Carnelia, the sky up and around in sparse clouds of a light green fog bank, lit with a bright lantern from below. It was breathtaking. The rest of the park lit up, bit by bit, the curves of the face pillar, little dots outlining the travelers' tents. The colors of the double carousel, a brilliant starfield, as majestic below her as the one in the sky. Cornelia felt for a moment that she was in the very line between worlds, as if on the smooth plane of a giant mirror, floating outside of herself and looking at something so much bigger, into the majestic celestial kingdom that stretched out into infinity. One little gloved hand reached out to it, and the other anchoring her in the star card that Madame Lenore gifted her. As if the blanket of stars of the universe enveloped her, and this card or ticket to a fate that, written out in the constellation, wrapped up in the tiniest spark of light very deep within her. Even the air was electric, cold and bold and crisp in her lungs. Cornelia had never felt more alive. Stripped of her inhibitions and feeling a great swell of gratitude, she grabbed the balloonist and kissed him, a brave kiss, and returned to gazing at the spectacle. It's so magnificent! Henri... Abashed and a little lightheaded, mumbled out a little uh uh we from the rolling bubbling depths slinking up the water under the wooden roller coaster, two large black eyes. The stiff crooked surly bent, raising further, one giant tentacle and then another flopped out of the water, over the barricade, as waves crashed over the side and washed the floor in seawater. Oh. oh, look, Cooper, do you see that? That's a right sea monster, that is. I hope she's friendly. That is our mother. She has come to clean the faces for them before. Said the Badan. Piero kept playing as the mammoth orange octopus rose out, its tentacles securing itself on the, the rafters of the roller coaster. Cooper, do you see that? That thing's the biggest thing I ever saw. And boy, does she seem fist. Don't she, Cooper? Do you think she's gonna eat me? Cooper pleaded with Piero. Piero, you have to stop playing. Make it go away, please. It looks so angry. It hoisted a portion of its body up on the boards and loomed over jewels. The bodan graced a tentacle, which waved over him as Piero changed his tune. The bodan pointed at the poor, shaky man with a pretzel. Mother, if you'd please, bid this poor soul. Cooper, in a rare moment of courage, ran over to Jules and put herself between her and the sea beast. The Baudin waved his hand, and the octopus wrapped up Cooper, hoisted her in the air, and then dragged her down into the wave, dunking her below the surface. Lit to the bottom with a white green light, as the whole park illuminated. Cooper could see under the water, and noticed that the octopus had one of its tentacles wrapped around the main telegraph line that was run along the seabed, and then up onto the land, the one that ran straight into her office, She remember the headline when it was built. And then she needed to breathe, and realized she was running out of air. Viola Walker was furious, the roller coaster increasing in speed. Viola, the lone rider, as the cart swooped faster and faster around the track, Viola screamed, humble get me out of here! From high in the balloon, Cornelia could have sworn that she heard the voice of her mother screaming. She looked down at the tracks and saw the car racing around the face-feeler. She squinted. could hear the roar of the awe of the crowds and lights below. But just in it, she could hear screaming. She grabbed Henri's field glasses and looked down, sure enough, there was her mother. Hat and scarf and petticoat flapping about in the wind as she hung onto the car as it raced up and down and around the whoops and swirls of the wooden roller coaster. "'We have to get down. My mother's in danger,' she pointed." Henri looked, and immediately started pulling on ropes until the vents in the balloon opened, and they slowly descended. He pulled on one of his anchor ropes to move them closer to the coaster, and then tied off a long rope and let it dangle from the basket. Perhaps she can catch this? he said, shrugging. Cornelia took it in hand and cast it off the side. Pumble, in a near panic, ran up and down the length of the coaster looking for anyone to help or a button or lever or pull for the machine to stop. He shot down a staircase near the water's edge, tripped over a railing, and tumbled down into the truss wall, only to find himself face-to-face with the octopus. Cooper had just whipped out of the water and was suspended just above the octopus's angry face. <laughs> Pumble whimpered, um. a tentacle attached to his ankle, yanked him up backwards no. and upward, dangling upside down. <sighs> Not to worry, Miss Cooper, I will have this cleaned up in a jiffy. What's the jiffy? asked Cooper. Oh, look, it's your manservant, that Pumblefella. fella. Do you think he's come to rescue us, Cooper? The octopus pulled a tentacle out of the water and slapped it on the poor pretzel fellow. It latched onto his face, a terrible sucking sound, and a muffled scream. The sucker came away. It left a perfectly sheen surface, and it sucked away his features, just a few tiny holes to breathe. The Baren was quite satisfied. Look here, see? Perfect canvas for my creations. What do you think? Some wild eyebrows? A look of surprise? Not unlike the one you're wearing, hmm? He wiped the face dry and started to draw with a pencil as the body squirmed. There was an attempt to scream, but something in the octopus's residue seemed to subdue him. Cooper didn't scream. She just said a quiet no in defeat, and closed her eyes. And then she felt something. Like a buzz, or a vibration. But it had a cadence to it. The octopus was vibrating. Wait a minute. Wait, she knew this. It was telegraph code. It was transferring a fleet of the signal through the line. And Cooper could feel it. It must have learned it through the cables somehow. Cooper patted the creature and started to tap out a message. The octopus whipped her around so she could stare into her eyes. Cooper kept tapping. The octopus understood. The octopus pulled Pummel to Cooper's side to look at them both. What are you doing? demanded the woman. Yes, Miss, what are you doing? I think I can. I think I could talk to it, Pummel. She's angry. She says this guy took her baby. Said it's a little blue thing. They stole it. I guess she said they'd give it back if she peeled people's faces off. Her name's Polly, by the way. You got all that? Diabolical," said Pummel as he shivered. Oh. You know, his voice had grown desperately. Gone was the anger. And now a woman terrified as the coaster ran out. Sparks kicking up the knees, The cart whipping around the track at dangerous speeds. Cornelia needed to act fast and knew that Viola would never grab the rope herself. She tightened her gloves, grabbed fast to the rope, leapt out of the basket, and slid down the rope to the very end, dangling high above the park. The crowd, thinking this was some kind of act, gasped with delight. Mon Dieu! Henri cried, but they were still out of reach of Viola. Cooper heard her mother's screams as she flew by, louder, louder. I'm going to tell it to stop the train. She looked back at the audience and called her, tapped. Polly reached out and a section of track from the coaster, crashing into the water below. Uh oh, that's not what I meant. Good heavens, said Humble. Grilla's car hurtling for the gap, the opening to the churning water below surely dispel Madam Walker's doom. She wasn't going to make it. Then, suddenly, Henri slid down the rope. He wrapped it around his foot and hand, and then reached for Cornelia, hoisted her foot into his hand, and then upside down, he lowered Cornelia by the feet low enough with her hands outstretched, and as the car swept by, Cornelia grabbed Viola with both hands and yanked her out of the car, swung out over the park all three dangling from the rope as the car slipped into the gap and crashed into the woods The crash rattled the coaster and stumbled the sinister clown family as the truss groaned. The Boudin drew out his shiny scimitar, the same that cut the champagne bottle with one swipe. She's mine, and you're not going to get out of here. He moved closer to Cooper. Humble moved between them. But in the background, Piero changed his tune. Baudin turned to him. Piero, what are you doing? The octopus grabbed the Baudin, hoisted him off his feet, and dragged him into the waves below. The crash attracted the crew from the park, and the tough scrambled below the trestle with lanterns descending on them. The pajama clown family scattered. Piero played to get their attention and made the workers chase him in the other direction. No, we have to help him, Hooper said, but Pummel grabbed her. Madam, we can't. It's too dangerous. We must leave before we have to explain this. There'd be too much scandal. Help me untie these two. Cooper took one last long glance at Piero as he fled. After untying Jules and the poor pretzel fellow, Humble and Cooper looked up through the hole in the coaster. She saw her sister and mother dangling from a rope from a pretty balloon. The night sky lit up with a radiant wheel, And a beautiful field of stars known as the Celestial Seaside Amusement Park. in the attic ingested a parasite looking for a lenny penny come bask in the emerald green glow of a strange city lying alone join our patron, for Selena cleverland and Minerva might just let you pick her next solution join our Patreon, and no one will ever ask you for anything ever again and again and again and again 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 and again and again and again and
2: again